0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: Hey, super glad you're with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Last day of Jim Garrity's vacation, but we're very glad to have Chad Benson sitting in for him today. Chad is host of the Chad Benson Show on the Radio America Network. In fact, he's rested and ready. Well, maybe not rested because he just finished his show, but we've got good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today. Chad, always great to have you with us.
2: Love being here, my man. Last time I did it, I was uh, was with Jim because you said, I don't want to do this anymore with you, Jim. And then (laughs) I came in and filled in while you like recovered. But now it's good to be back. I like it.
1: You are fake news, but I love having you with me anyway. And you'll actually be subbing for me uh, starting at the end of next week for a few days. So uh, very much appreciate your time. Let's start with our good. And it's not often that we spend our good martini in the middle of Democratic primaries. But uh, every once in a while it happens. Did it last year when Tulsi Gabbard, we thought, took out Kamala Harris in the Democratic primary. And then Kamala Harris uh, turned up on the national ticket anyway. But uh, next Tuesday, June 22nd, we've got a uh, pretty crowded Democratic primary for mayor of New York City. The good news is here, in addition to what we're actually going to talk about, is that Bill de Blasio won't be mayor by the beginning of next year. But a lot of people want to take his place. And one of them is Andrew Yang, and Andrew Yang is a guy who also ran in that 2020 Democratic presidential primary and who actually said some things that make sense. Wouldn't necessarily vote for the guy, don't like his universal basic income idea, but he actually acknowledges uh, some some realities in the world that most Democrats don't, and that's what he's doing again on uh, the debate stage in this New York City primary with the issue of the mentally ill. It's becoming a major problem on the streets of New York City. And of course, over the past few decades, it's been harder and harder to involuntarily uh, get mentally ill people into facilities and get them help. So they're living on the streets and they're becoming a menace in New York City. Uh, Here in this extended clip, he shares the story uh, of uh, what happened to someone very close to his family and what I think is a very common sense uh, takeaway at the end. Let's take a listen. The
0: fact is mentally ill Uh, homeless men are changing the character of our neighborhoods Uh, a woman uh, my my wife Evelyn is friends with in her mom group in Hell's Kitchen was punched in the face by a mentally ill man sent a picture of a bruised face around the mom group spread like wildfire This is happening in New York City, and we're not talking enough about it. Families are leaving as a result. In East Harlem, the neighborhood has been changed. Upper West Side, the neighborhood has been changed. We owe our people and our families better than this, and I'm frustrated by the political nature of these responses. I mean, we're not talking about housing affordability. We're talking about the hundreds of mentally ill people we all see around us every day on the streets and the subways. We need to get them off of our streets and our subways into a better environment. And when you ask what I'm going to do differently, I'm going to rebuild the stock of psych beds in our city because the the number's gone down 14%. It should be going up 100% until there are resources necessary for anyone who's mentally ill to not be on our streets. It's not right for them. It's not right for our city. There will be no recovery until we resolve this. I will fix this, New York. Yes, mentally ill people have rights, but you know who else have rights? We do. The people and families of the city. We have the right to walk the street and not fear for our safety because a mentally ill person is going to lash out at us. So he's right, Chad,
1: Uh, the homeless people and mentally ill people do have rights, but so does everybody else who has the right to not be assaulted by the mentally ill, which seems to be a growing problem in New York City. So I'm not sure uh, what the government's role is in this, but uh, perhaps it does have a role and uh, these people need help rather than just have everybody look the other way. So once again, Andrew Yang acknowledging reality when others won't do it.
2: Greg, you guys are insane. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Here's the insanity. I didn't mind Andrew. Yang. I, his universal basic income thing I thought was was a bit out there, and I think it was misunderstood. It's like, yeah, hey, we're going to give you guys money, but we're also going to take away, uh, you know, your benefits so you be able to. But at the end of the day, he did say a lot of stuff that was very much forward thinking, almost libertarian esque at times. And he's running now to try to, I would say, at this point in time reverse and try to fix what bill de blasio has really run into the ground and as far as what's going on in a place like new york see any big city in america and see the insanity of which these mayors and these liberal and i'm not talking about the average democrat i'm talking about uber progressive liberal uh, do-gooders want to do and how they want to do it which is essentially if you're a taxpayer if you're just a law-abiding hanging out Homeowner working in the city person expect to step over poop, deal with homeless populations, the mentally ill, see tons of crime, probably see an exposed thingy or two every now and then as well, and just deal with it because for whatever reason, those people have more rights than you do. No, both people have rights, and he's trying to do something about it, which for the uber-progressive will make them feel uncomfortable and he's a bad guy because you know they're okay with people being assaulted because you've got privilege that's nuts i i'm this is why we can't have nice things this is why places like new york city has become a cesspool san francisco is a toilet i don't even want to talk about portland and seattle because they're such a hot mess you continue to allow crazy to run things they'll help crazy keep crazy going.
1: What is the solution from the other side? Or do they just pretend it's not happening? Because you mentioned all these cities, San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles has a huge homeless problem too. Uh, And and they seem to ignore it. And obviously it only gets worse when that happens. So uh, what's their solution? Or they just not have one? And it, it all comes down to, well, you have to deal with it because if you don't have this problem, you have the privilege like you were just saying.
2: The solution is there is no solution because much like everything else in politics, whether you're on the right or left, and you know, this is if the money is in the problem. So whether it's racism, homelessness, LGBT, whatever, whatever, the problem itself can keep people going. It's the problem becomes an industry all to itself. The solution is we need to expand mental health. Because so many of these people, even if you gave them a house today, you know this. They're not going to stay there. It is the people that are truly, truly mentally ill. That, that That's not a fix for them. They have problems that are far beyond whether or not they have a roof over their head. And, and the drug side of things its the same way. And, and you asked yourself the question, was it the drugs that caused, caused mental illness or mental illness caused people to use drugs? Either way, the fix is for politicians to continue to do absolutely nothing and the right needs to step up and say we need to expand mental health let's be real reagan in the 80s kind of gutted some of that stuff and we'd be foolish to say that he didn't and it's time to expand this and get these people off the street get them the help that they deserve but also in doing so protect the cities protect the taxpayers the people who have businesses the homeowners the residents as well as the people themselves that are sick and The money's too big outside of that uh, for them to really want to get involved in it in such a way. Instead, it's just, well, we'll make sure that we can protect these victims from these people over here who've done nothing. And they, too, may be victimized. But still, it's a different kind of victim.
1: Now, I think you're exactly right about that, especially about the problem being perpetuated. And even when you uh, achieve your stated policy goal that, uh, well, that's just one step. Now we've got this uh, other thing that the problem has to keep going. But I do want to make sure also that the government doesn't have too much power in this situation. Uh, it needs to be a fairly, I think, complicated uh, uh, solution here because you can't just leave it in the hands of government because we know that's not going to turn out well either. You need to have a nuanced approach here. But once you have people who are committing violence and that sort of thing, just throw in back out on the streets is solving nothing. And so I think once you reach that level, then the government probably can't step in. So
0: yeah,
1: well,
2: public private partnership, I think would be a good thing, but once again, follow the money and I'll tell you how good this thing's really gonna work.
1: Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Well, one of the things uh, you want, whether you live in the city or in the suburbs or in a small town, you want your privacy. You don't want people getting in your face uh, for any particular reason. You want to be safe, but you also want your online communications to be safe and private. Look, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo, they aren't really free. Yeah, you don't cut them a check or give them a payment each month or whatever, but you do pay with your privacy. And since those come, Companies have access to every email that you send and receive, big tech can sell your data to the highest bidder. And look, uh, we've seen stories in the past about how uh, phishing has uh, hit different companies or how data breaches uh, have uh, affected different retailers and so forth. Uh, You want to make sure that your information, especially your very sensitive information, is protected as well as possible. And that's why you can trust Startmail to secure your email. It'll make you feel safer. Startmail keeps your email private, Period. Every email is encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption, which means big tech can't read, scan, analyze, or even sell your personal information. Ever can't do it. Not even Big Brother can snoop around your email. Start mail also prevents government agencies from spying on you, like in dragnet operations. It really does protect your information.
2: Yeah, with Start mail, delete means delete. So when you delete an email, guess what? Forever
1: it is gone.
2: And Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business like Parler. Startmail is also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited anonymous aliases. Yeah, that's right. The feature protects your main email address from spam, phishing attacks. So when you're giving your email to a company, want to protect your identity, Startmail can generate a shareable alias email so people can't sell your info and they can Be deleted anytime.
1: It's often said now that you really don't have any privacy. You think you do, but with these big tech companies uh, and whoever's running your email, if you don't have Startmail, they can actually see what's going on and then uh, that information gets shared and retailers are harassing you based on what you just emailed your mom. So you don't want to do that. Ditch spy mail, switch to Startmail, and don't trust big tech. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com martini. That's startmail, with a T, S-T-A-R-T, mail.com slash martini for 50% off your first year. Again, startmail.com slash martini. All right, Chad, let's move on to the bad martini now. And it's election day in Iran, which is has to be in quotes because, you know, uh, the elections over there aren't exactly free and fair. But uh, nonetheless, they're going to get a new president who will do the bidding of the supreme leader, the Ayatollah Khomeini, not Khomeini from uh, back in the 80s, but uh, they're going to vote for a hardliner because uh, pretty much the, uh, the Ayatollahs decide who's going to be the next president. It's going to be this guy, Ibrahim Raisi, who is already under U.S. sanctions, was the front runner in the field of just four candidates. And so uh, by late afternoon, turnout appeared far lower than Iran's last presidential election. But what we know about this guy is that he would be the first Iranian president sanctioned by the U.S. government before ever entering office over his involvement in the mass execution of political prisoners in 1988, as well as his time as the head of Iran's internationally criticized judiciary, one of the world's top executioners. And so, uh, puts the hardliners back in. I don't think they really ever left since the Ayatollahs pretty much run the show there. But uh, they're not not—they're uh, not sugarcoating anything. This last guy, Rouhani, was supposed to be a moderate. And that's why it gave the Obama administration kind of the fig leaf to do the Iran nuclear deal with him. I don't know what this is going to mean for the future of that nuke deal that Biden wants to resurrect uh, here, Chad. But uh, once again, Iran's going hardline, which has worked out very, very badly for their actual rank and file population.
2: You know, that's the funny thing. The rank and file population. People don't realize that there's a really old generation, and a much younger generation in between my kind of age, your kind of age. A lot of them died during the, the Iraq war. And so uh, this younger generations, they want to wear skinny jeans and they want to have lattes and they want to watch television shows that you would think very Westernized. They want the, the, the fun of the West, but they don't really want to be overtaken by the West. But they do want more freedoms and they're not going to get that. And. Much like everything else when it comes to a lot of these things, it isn't until the people themselves stand up and say, We've had enough, you're going to continue to get the same thing. And hopeful, you know, wishing it's like every country that's like this is like, well, maybe the next guy won't be so bad. Wow, he's worse. This guy is extra special worse because uh he is truly an executioner. I mean, there's no two ways about it. He's an executioner, he's not gonna rule in a softer, kinder gentler way he's there as a puppet but he'll have a little bit more say but he's definitely a hardliner and to say that he's not going to push back harder on the west would
1: be a lie yeah, that's definitely true, and I think everybody, even in the mainstream media, knows this guy is nothing but trouble. But it's fun to see how they portray it because uh, over on CNN, he's not, uh, you know, a longtime executioner and a hardliner. He's ultra conservative, so that they they're painting him as a man on the right. So when things uh, hit the fan over there in the Middle East, when this guy's in, in power and doing the bidding of the ayatollahs carte blanche, uh, you know, they're going to try to blame the right, I guess. But
2: uh, we're going to blame Ted Cruz. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess that's a very good foreshadowing, Chad. We're going to be talking about him in, in the next martini, though. But you're absolutely right. Uh, every time the uh, Iranians catch a break, whether it's the easing of sanctions under Obama, it may happen again under Biden. They get some assets uh, freed up that had been frozen. It all goes into sponsoring terrorism and the Revolutionary Guard and uh, the people and the, uh, the national economy uh, never seem to get any relief over there. So uh, they're begging for freedom, and uh, it's just not going to happen unless... The hardliners and, of course, the ayatollahs uh, somehow exit the stage, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. But uh, no, let's do-
2: no, it's not going to happen. So uh, enjoy what you what you continue to get. And poll numbers were we knew who was going to win, but the the voting numbers are down because uh, people are dis you know disinterested in coming out and voting for something that they want no part of. And we'll see the first real test for all the West to to look at is when there's a few really big protests about something, I want to see what that looks like and how he cracks down.
1: That's that's exactly right. And so, you know, we've got a new change of leadership in Israel as well. And so uh, I, I, I sense that there's going to be uh, more than uh, the usual level of upheaval in the Middle East fairly soon. And that is definitely, definitely bad news. All right, let's talk about something uh less significant, but certainly better than uh who's coming into power in Iran, and that is my pillow. My pillow, so comfortable, helps me get a great night's sleep, great for my neck and my shoulders and my head. And uh the best news is, is that you can get these now at a fantastic price. You can refresh the pillows of every room because the premium my pillow is now at its lowest price ever. That's right.
2: Lowest price. Limited time, queen size, my pillows. king size, five bucks more. Guess what? Doesn't go flat. Gives me an amazing night's sleep. I sleep cool. I don't have a headache. Made right here in the USA. And let me tell you something, how huge that is, knowing something's made right here in the USA. 60-day money-back guarantee, one year, limited warranty.
1: Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio Listeners square, enter the promo code Martini, or call 800-874-0104. Now, while you're there, you do want to take advantage of the deep discounts on all the other MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bedsheets and the new My Slippers. Get your premium MyPillow today for just $29.98, but only with our promo code Martini. So call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Chad, you mentioned Ted Cruz, and Ted Cruz is speaking out in a uh, maybe a little bit of a surprising way. Next year is a uh, gubernatorial election year in Texas. Greg Abbott has already served two terms, and uh, by all indications, he's gunning for a third. Uh, There are no term limits, I believe, in Texas. And uh, Beto O'Rourke has seriously thought about this race, but uh, the name that's intriguing the most people is actor Matthew McConaughey. And so uh, he has said some things over the years that uh, conservatives have liked. Uh, He's also uh, said some things that uh, Democrats certainly like. And so he's uh, said very much so that he's Uh, taking a serious look at running for governor. We'll see if he ends up doing it. But uh, Ted Cruz thinks if he gets in, he's going to be a tough guy to beat. He was on the Hugh Hewitt show. uh, And uh, Cruz says he's a big fan of uh, Abbott, but he also hopes that McConaughey decides not to run. Uh, He says that McConaughey, this is according to Politico, uh, he's a very charming, very affable guy. He's a movie star and a good-looking, charming, affable movie star can be a really formidable candidate on the ballot. And I hope that doesn't happen. But you know what? He's going to have to make his own decision whether he's going to run or not. And so, Chad, there's a number of reasons to be intrigued by a Matthew McConaughey run. First of all, how many times can we squeeze in and all right. All right. All right. Reference from, uh, this potential story. But if, if it's Beto versus McConaughey, I'm definitely for McConaughey, but, uh, do you think Ted Cruz is kind of trolling him to get him in the race? Or does he really think that, you know what, Matthew McConaughey could actually pull this off?
2: I think 100% he believes Matthew McConaughey can pull this off. I think there's no doubt. I, I think a lot of people think that he, he he's, he's smart. He's, he's, you know, he's well thought out. He has a good grasp of politics His politics doesn't alienate anybody and he can reach people that feel that both parties are missing the mark as well as get people uh, who align with those parties, I think to, to his table. And I think that's very formidable, especially in a time where we've become very partisan and we're not willing to always listen to the other side and anything has to say, and it's my way or the highway. Uh, And I think he could absolutely be a very formidable challenger
0: uh,
2: to Abbott. And I, I would not for him. I think if he goes up against Beto, he's going to blow Beto out of the water. I don't think Beto <laughs> stands a chance whatsoever, but he is, you know, uh, he is definitely, he's got very much a, at times a, a, a libertarian con- conservative esque streak that leans a little bit to the right. And he's had some very kind of liberal, you know, points of view, but they're, they're not overly progressive. So I think he would be very much, uh, 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 I think, welcome to, to the party as far as the run goes. And then you'd have to figure out the debate side of things. The one thing he doesn't have will hurt him a little bit, which is the experience, but also help him because he doesn't have any missteps.
1: Yeah, being a political novice in terms of actually running for office brings its pluses and its minuses. If he does run and he does have a primary challenger, uh, he's going to get pushed one way or the other. If it's against Beto, Beto's going to try to drag him to the left, obviously. And so uh, you're going to have to formulate positions on more issues than if you didn't have any primary opposition. And once you do take specific stands, you're you know people aren't going to like you as much on on, on various issues. But he's just on the surface far more likable than Beto, which I realize is one of the lowest bars you could possibly have to clear in politics. So uh, if it's just a one-on-one between those guys for the Democratic nomination, uh, I think we all know where we stand on that.
2: And here's something else that I, I think people need to understand. He's big in Austin, which Austin is their Berkeley, right? Keep, keep, keep Austin weird. It's very much the left-leaning side of things. If you're going to have that anywhere in Texas, that's, that's truly a left-lean. He's big there. People like him. I think he would have no problem. And I think he would give Abbott a hell of a run because I also think he's going to reach out to some people that are disenfranchised in the Republican Party, people that are definitely disenfranchised with the uber-left woke craziness. And I think he could also build a coalition in the middle. It doesn't mean he's going to win, but to say that he would have no chance? No, I think Ted Cruz is absolutely being very sincere that this guy could be a formidable opponent.
1: No, I think that's right. Uh, Texas is tightening. Trump won, but by not as uh, big a margins as uh, previous Republican nominees. So, and, and Ted Cruz had a very tough race against Beto himself. So, I mean, things are, are tightening up. But the things that are going to work well in Abbott's favor are, in general, uh, he has been fairly popular. He was elected and reelected easily. And in 2022, uh, it's possible that there is going to be a significant backlash against the administration in Washington. That's usually how midterms work. Not necessarily always, but that could could work in the Republicans favor as well. The problem for Abbott, of course, is that he been in office for eight years. And sometimes even if you like a guy who's been in office for eight years, you're kind of tired of that same person being in office. So a lot of different factors work in here. But uh, McConaughey getting in would definitely draw a lot of attention and a ton of money to Texas next year. All right, all right, all right, it would. Chad, we will watch. I think that'll be fun if it happens, but uh, I appreciate you being here today, and I appreciate you filling in for me when I'm out uh, starting at the end of next week. So have a great weekend, and I hope you rest up well. You too, brother. Have a good one. Thank you, sir. Chad Benson is the host of The Chad Benson Show on the Radio America Network. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Uh, we are very grateful for those five-star ratings and your very kind reviews. You can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter. He's at Chad Benson Show. Uh, don't forget about at Jim Garrity. And, of course, I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great weekend and please join us on Monday for the next three martini lunch when Jim Garrity will be back.